Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and they're strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount. Mention best ever and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, David Oswald. Hi, David. Hey, how are you? Doing well, and glad to have you. David's joining us from, right now he's in New Jersey, but he bounces around between New Jersey and Florida uh, between his investments and his business. And he has, a little bit about him, he has over, uh, he's done over 350 deals since he's invest- investing over the last 12 years from short sales to wholesale deals to buy and hold properties that he puts in his portfolio. He's a founder of Rivers of Income LLC and he owns multiple investment properties in New Jersey and Central Florida. Uh, he's located right now in Hillside, New Jersey, but like I mentioned, he bounces around between the two states. And he's also the author of 101 Ways to Outsource Your Income and Business. So really excited to have you on the show, David. And can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background on your experience and what you're focused on now? Yes, and I appreciate it, Joe. And it's a pleasure to be on the show here with you. And I want to thank you for that great introduction. Uh, by the way, the name of the book is 101 Ways to Outsource Your Life and Business. And uh, that was a book that I actually wrote uh, back starting around 2008, and I've done multiple updates to it. And it's all about just doing the business of real estate investing, doing it the right way, doing it on purpose, You know, having a, a structure to what you do and setting it up so that it's, it's not so much a job. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I work with many students and, you know, they, they kind of turn this whole thing of real estate into a, a J-O-B and, and we want to get away from that. We want to make this about fun. So, uh, again, great to be on the show here. And, you know, my background starts out around 2002, 2001. Uh, I had a, a little bit of a background previous to that in the mortgage industry. And that, that seemed to be a pretty good time because a lot of people were, you know, refinancing at that time. And the current rates before that were around seven, eight percent, and people were able to go down to five percent, which at the time was, you know, a forty-year low. So I got a background in real estate investing through my experience first with the mortgage industry, and I got to understand, you know, what is an appraiser? What does he do? What, what's his role in the whole thing? What is, um, you know, the the person who's doing the mortgage for you? What is their role? Uh, how do you put buyers and sellers together? And it gave me the confidence to go out there and. You know, through attending seminars and, and seeing, you know, how the, the creative side of the business was done and creative techniques such as wholesaling, short selling, lease options, various things that I've done now, um, I got a chance to, to, to kind of get experience with it to a point where I had the, the, the guts to go out there and, and do the first one or two transactions that, that started me down the path to, to doing up quite a bit over the past 12 years. And, uh, it's been the best experience for me, and, and I know many out there that uh, that love this business of real estate investing. Uh, they also get to see day in and day out 
how much of a pleasure it is to, to be, uh, you know, investing and out there actively doing it. I think it's really interesting how you're, you've written about ways to outsource your life and your business through real estate investing. And as you mentioned, trying to get away from the job aspect right. and, uh, you know, really have this be passive and then overlaying that with your focus, which is short sale and wholesale deals, because typically that is the ultimate hands-on <laughs> another job. You know, whenever I think of investing, I think, okay, invest passively in single family homes. Uh, and then you don't think about it, hire a property management company, um, put up the down payment and then, you know, cash flow a couple hundred bucks every month after that. And that is passive. And I, I know firsthand because, you know, I have property in the Dallas Fort Worth area that it, I, I haven't even looked at the, the property statements except for once a month. And it's, it's, that's it really. So that truly is passive, but with short sales and wholesale stuff, I mean, I initially don't think of that as passive. I think that as being very, very active. So how do you make that passive? And perhaps if that leads into your best real estate investing advice ever, we can go into that. But if it's separate, then please, would love, love to know. Okay. Maybe we could combine the two and, and it might lead into it. But I'll say this. Upon doing the mortgage business was one of the most intensive things that I had ever done. There's so many details. There's there's so many deadlines to a deal. You're dealing with so many parties because you're on the phone with, you know, nervous homeowners, first time home buyers. You you're you're really involved day to day. And I got a taste of what that was like. And and I only did that for three or four years because I gotta be honest, Joe, I, I burned out. And it was at a good time and, and I did make uh, some pretty good money doing it. But these were 12-hour days. It was putting on a suit every day. It was showing up at 9 o'clock in the morning and, and literally working the phones and, and working till 9 o'clock at night. And I said to myself, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a young guy at that time. And I said, man, I'm already burned out in, in life. I need to kind of do something different. So, you know, I attended the seminars and, and I started to understand some of these creative real estate investing techniques. And, you know, wholesaling was one thing that, that caught my eye early as, as it does for a lot of people that, that get into the business. And then the short sale bug kind of bit me when one of my first uh, creative transactions was a short sale. And I was very, very involved in that. I was involved in talking to the banks on almost a daily basis. I was uh, involved in, you know, talking to the the homeowner who was very nervous about being in foreclosure, had never gone through that before. I was involved with my, you know, cash buyer who wanted the property. I had listed it with a real estate agent because I didn't quite know at that point how to drum up a lot of activity other than just doing conventional things. And therefore, we were always getting, you know, offers on it. People didn't understand what a short sale was because this was 2006. And here I was starting to get to feel like, am I just repeating what I did in the mortgage industry where it seems like I'm working a lot? You know, I'm on the phone constantly with, uh, you know, just individuals, many of whom I'm re-explaining things to and, and going over and, you know, people asking me is, is what is a short sale in the first place? And these are active people that were involved in the deal. So long story short, I said, I cannot repeat the mistakes that I've already made. I was burned out for a reason and I wanted to do something different. So I started to really take seriously, and this is where the best real estate investing advice might come in. I started to really take seriously the structure, the time that I put into 
each and every aspect, whether it was a wholesale deal or a short sale deal, um, whether, you know, whether I was truly needed to be involved in that aspect. I think a lot of us as, as successful individuals, you know, you got to have some guts to be a investor or an entrepreneur to take that leap, to go from, you know, that nine to five world into becoming that, that entrepreneur. And therefore a lot of us have, um, we have courage and we also have, uh, maybe a bit of an ego. Like we can go out there and, and make things happen. You, you almost have to have some of that in you to, to be successful, but it also starts to make us believe things like I need to be doing this part of the transaction because I'm quote unquote, the most qualified for it. And therefore what you run into is you attract a lot of hard work. And what I mean by that is you'll start to have beliefs that I need to be involved in the negotiation with the bank because I'm the best negotiator on my team. And you know what you're going to attract? Months and months of phone calls in, in, in regards to these short sale deals. Because if you believe that you're the only one that can do it, then who else is going to do it but you? And if you need to feel like you are the one that has to go out to the house to, to, to look at that property and you know maybe go out there three, four, five, seven, eight, ten times during the course of uh, you know your your investment with this property, then it will be you. You'll be running out in the car regardless of the weather, and you'll be the one looking at the property and inspecting every area that might need to be um, you know rehabbed or, or whatever it is that you're doing on a property. You'll start to find yourself over and over again in the same situation, and again becoming the person that really doesn't feel like this is all that much more fun than maybe what you did in your past life uh, in your nine to five. So. I had to systematically look at each section. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, you know, David, is it just your ego talking or could you find somebody that could do this maybe almost as well as you or, you know, 90% of what you could do it or 80% and be okay with that. So it's about releasing control a little bit. It's about being very honest with yourself. Uh, And it's also about saying, you know what? I don't care if it's not the exact way I would do it. I just know that I have a lot more freedom and I'm also kind of running my business rather than being run around in my business. I'm the one running it by, you know, doing only the essential parts that actually involve me. So, you know, I have negotiators, people that uh, work on my short sale deals for me, talk to the banks. I include them in the process of being compensated when a deal closes. I make sure that they understand what their role is. They're happy with their role. I make sure that they're, you know, excited about what they do. And I also include uh, others who take care of things like looking at the properties or, or going out for a BPO, a, a broker's price opinion on the property, or the various other things that take place both in short sales and wholesale deals and, and even you know, buy and hold type properties. So um, you know, that, that for me would be the best real estate advice that I could give is that at some point, look at yourself and say, really, what parts absolutely have to involve me? And am I having fun with those parts? You know, for me, I, I, I like to occasionally get on the phone and, 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 and work in, in the sales part of things. And what I mean by that is talking to a cash buyer. I like to have that relationship because I think that's really where a lot of my deals come down to the make or break point and to have that relationship with the cash buyer. So I don't mind having a few conversations with cash buyers that I develop relationships with and we turn into future closes. You know, I, I might do more than one closing with just one cash buyer. So for me to have that one long-term 
relationship and, and for me to be very active in that part of my business, I'm okay with. However, the other parts, the other seven or eight or nine parts that, that come into a closing, I like to stay hands off and I like to compensate the others in my business and keep them a part of the team and keep them happy by making sure that they're compensated when a deal closes. And it keeps the whole team on the page of let's just get this thing closed. Let's do things the right way and let's get this thing closed. And uh, it creates for a, a nice experience around the office. I love that. And I think this is fascinating stuff. Uh, let, let's let's move past the psychology point. Let's just assume that, again, I know psych, the psychology is like the number one thing because as you mentioned, you have to give up control and we don't have enough time to talk about it. That's like a five hour conversation. Um, right. so let's, let's, let's assume just for the sake of our purposes in this conversation that the investor is okay with giving up control and they would like to, as you mentioned, systematically look at each section of the process and identify a way to outsource it. Um, or most sections of the process, because as you mentioned, there's parts that you'll need to be involved in, like speaking to a cash buyer, um, and right. that you have fun. And I love that you mentioned, uh, look at what you have fun doing too, because right, that's right. ultimately what you're going to be really good at. So, um, we're talking about in this, because I imagine, well, I know that there's dis different systems based on the type of strategy that you're implementing, right? Because different right. skill sets are needed. So let's just pick one. Let's just go with, can, can we go with wholesaling? Okay, sure. So we'll go with wholesaling. Um, what, what are the different team members needed and where do you find them and how much are they compensated? Ballpark. Okay, good question. And, um, you know, wholesaling is a, a little bit easier way to answer that one just because just the nature of wholesaling involves that there might be less people involved than let's say on on a short sale deal for example so wholesaling is nice because you know you, you're going to need number one um, you know somebody that is making the marketing happen for you so let's just put that into a category of people for me personally that includes direct mail on a regular basis it includes uh, the bandit signs of course uh, it also includes someone that is uh, a different person who is putting uh, things online, the different various sites that you have out there online to promote the property. And then in some cases, you know, it, it might include uh, sending out emails to a, a previous buyer's list of people that have bought. Uh, one of the nice things about wholesaling, obviously, is if I have that relationship with the cash buyer, I don't even always have to send out to my, to my list because sometimes it's even sold just by a text or two to people that I know have an interest in an area. So um, that being said, that big circle, if you want to call it, of the marketing side of it, you know, it might require, in my case, two or three different people. The direct mail is actually handled by somebody on my team that um, is somebody that, that oversees it and, and in, in some cases is even doing the basic stuff of licking the stamp and, and putting it together and getting it out the door if we're doing a smaller group of, of mailers. Sometimes I like to test you know, specific mailers that um, I haven't necessarily used in the past. So it might be a small package of maybe, you know, 200 that go out the door. However, if we have our, our team that, that handles something that's established, um, I might go through a website that, I'm, that I'm, I'm using on a regular basis and have, you know, a thousand go out at once. However, somebody needs to be able to communicate that 
and be able to get that part done to the team. So, you know, that's one aspect. Then you have your offline people, your, your people like that, that might do the bandit signs, for example. Um, I've had various experiences with, with how to get individuals that want to do that kind of, that kind of work. For example, I speak a lot, you know, I go around, I've spoken in probably 32 states at this point, various RIA groups, meetup groups all over the country. And I've had the, the pleasure of meeting individuals who approach me and they say, you know what, Dave, I'm brand new to real estate investing. Um, I don't really know a whole lot. And, and to be honest, I'm dead broke. And you know what? I don't like to say, well, tell me when you get some money together and, and we can start by buying my home study kit. I like to say, you know what? Let me include you right now. If you'd like to work a little bit and put some time and effort in, I can teach you as we go. And I might find individuals that want to do uh, marketing for me. And that's one way that they can start because they can see the process happen from me to Z from the very beginning by getting involved in that way. And sometimes these are, these are young people with no background. Sometimes these are people that lost a job in, in the corporate world. So you have that whole side, you know, the marketing of your business that needs to get done. Uh, you also have the communication side, you know, with, with a wholesaling deal, a lot of times you're working with, you know, more established cash buyers, um, people that have bought and sold properties many times before. You need somebody that can talk the talk and walk and, and walk it as well. And sometimes that's me. Sometimes that's one part of my business where I'll get involved. But others, you know, it's, it's going to be somebody that I've trained on my team personally. Quick story of somebody that, that I met initially at an event. He got involved with me. He actually got involved in a one-on-one mentoring situation with me. We spent a lot of time together over a six-month period working one-on-one. I taught him the business. I actually invited him to my house at, at times. So we got to meet and really spend some time together. He eventually became a key part of my personal business. Okay, He developed his own business. He had his own LLC and he had his own thing going. But he also had a role within my company as well. And he was somebody that was able to talk directly to, you know, cash buyers because he had been around me and soaked up a lot of, of what he heard me talking about. I began to record some of those conversations and let him listen and learn the nuances of it. And then he became a, a very important part of my business. So how do you meet people? Well, not everybody's a national speaker. Not everybody wants to do that. But you have to kind of be a, a local expert within your own little RIA group or your own area. And you, you kind of have to talk it up a bit and make sure that people understand what you do, why you're established, and then why they would be a good fit on, on your team as well. So attract people into your business that way, and, and you can take care of a lot of the uh, you know, the things that just need to get done. The, the glue you know, is, is what I call some people in my business. They're the glue that keeps things together so that I don't have to be the glue every day myself. I love that. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so let me, let me just to grossly simplify what you said. So I make uh-huh. sure, making sure I'm tracking. You sure. said you need a marketer. Um, it perhaps is an offline and online person. One person focused on bandit signs, one person focused on all the online stuff and perhaps a bandit sign person is also doing the direct mail. So that's one to two people. And then you need a communications person speaking to the buy cash buyers and then also the sellers, correct? Yeah. And, and just to add to that, you'd probably need an administrative person. Person. You know, in my case, it's my assistant who keeps everything together with the title company. Um, you know, they're, they're made aware of, of the relationship between yourself, how you're getting paid on the deal uh, in a wholesale deal. You know, maybe, you know, the, 
they've received your letter that here's here's your involvement. Just you know the administrative side of what needs to get done. That, those communication aspects. So okay. bare minimum, you know, bare minimum. I, I'd say you need at least three. Is is what I believe, uh, and that's kind of how I've I've tried to put my business together. At this point, it's beyond that because I have you know outsourcing that happens and, and a lot of online stuff that gets done. So my business is a little bit bigger than that, but. Uh, Anybody out there listening could probably get by with three to start. Okay. And real quickly, how much are each of them, generally speaking, compensated? The marketer, well, the communications, and the admin. Right. The, um, the marketing people are, are usually paid per project or, or per situation that they actually do for me. And, and a lot of times I have them on a, if you want to call it a retainer, because marketing happens for me month in and month out. So those individuals... Uh, are usually paid on on an hourly basis, somewhere around ten to twelve dollars an hour, uh, and they handle the business that needs to get done marketing wise. On the bandit signs, they, that specific aspect, I usually like to pay two dollars per bandit sign. So if you put out a hundred bandit signs for me, you know you, you'll make yourself a couple hundred bucks, um, and I'll do that on a, on a regular basis as well. The the other individuals, I've tried to work it like this. The person who's the glue, the communicator, the person who's picked up and is almost like a mini me version of of what I do, that individual I include as a piece of my business. So I might compensate him anywhere from 15 to 20% of each deal that gets done. And in in some cases, he works a lot harder than he would on other deals. If I'm personally involved in, in a deal and I have that relationship with that cash buyer and I end up spending more time with that cash buyer on the phone than, than he would have, then so be it. I'm okay with that. But I like to keep him 15 to 20% of, of a lot of the deals that I do so that he has a feel for if we have seven or eight deals in the pipe, he has an idea on what he could make during the course of a month and, and kind of give him that feeling of stability. And at the same time, I also give him freedom. He has the freedom to, to do his own business and, and run his own LLC uh, as long as he's taking care of the responsibilities within my business as well. As far as my administrative person, uh, I just like to keep them on a straight salary and, and keep them uh, you know, on a, on a salary based on you know, what I think is, is what the market commands for, for their level of talent. And what's that range? Uh, you know, anywhere from 28 to 32. And really quick, and then we'll get into the lightning round. How do you verify the number of bandit signs that have been placed? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. I like them. It's partially based on, on me knowing roughly how many calls of approximately what I would get if somebody really put them out. So, you know, if it's a first time relationship with somebody that I haven't had them do the signs before, I'll take a couple measures. And one of those measures would be I'll give them a few areas that I personally drive by myself. And I might say, make sure you put one on this corner, this, this, you know, this section, this, um, this uh, subsection, this part of the street, this, um, this corner of whatever town that you're in, people that, that signs that I know that I can see. Then I might have them snap a picture of, I might say, you know what, snap a picture of, of five, five or 10 of these that you've done as well. And then finally, I'll, I'll kind of check it by, um, you know, seeing how many calls that I get. So I don't know, I, I don't usually start people with, 200 or, or 500 signs, I might just start them with something small, watch how many calls come in off of that and make sure that, yes, they did the work that they were supposed to have done. Um, so I started with maybe 50 signs to start. 
And you said you can tell roughly based on the number of calls you get, how many were put out. What's that ratio that you've identified? I see that I I usually get uh, somewhere in excess of uh, one call per sign. So a lot of times it's because one sign is doing a lot of the work. In other words, most of the signs go to waste. You know, they get taken down, whatever happens to them. They, they just aren't in a good area. But it's, it's, the, it's the 10 or 12 well-placed signs that produce probably 80% of my phone calls. This is amazing. Thank you so much for fa- sharing that. This is, yep. uh, and I, I don't do wholesaling and I won't be, but I am incredibly interested in, um, how you systematize your business. And I think that's applicable to any type of real estate investing. So let's get into the lightning round. You ready for it? Uh, I think I am. Best ever book you've read? The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> one of my favorite books I've ever read in my life. What a powerful, powerful book. I mean, just, just, inc- oh, I love it. What, really quick, why do you like it so much? Because it's, it's almost like reading the Bible. Like you can just read this thing over again, over again, and, and get something new every single time that, that you pick this thing up. And, you know, the job that a guy like, like, uh, Robert Greene puts into, to making sure that this is spelled out and then comparing it to maybe a, a current person and then maybe somebody from the past and, you know, he later went out and did that book with uh, the rapper 50 Cent called yep. The 50th 51, Law. Yep. I mean, the, these books, man, I, uh, they're just so powerful. They, they, I can sit there and, and read five pages and, and have enough to think about for the rest of the day that it just makes my day fun. Best ever listeners, please go read that book. It is Definitely. one of the best books I've ever read. And I was actually just recommending it to my brother over Thanksgiving. Um, and best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a book like that. Hopefully they have, uh, the 48 laws of power. Um, but if not, they have other books that you can, and you can get the, the, uh, the first one for free. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. Okay. Personal growth. Um, that's a good one. And, and what I'll talk about might be a little bit of a, of a downer. And, um, I, as you know, out there, if you're in business, you realize that not everything goes perfect. And in some cases, um, you know, you experience a a rough section and I had a business, um, let's, let's step back a little bit, but I had a business that was a, um, multi-level marketing company. It was, I was affiliated with one in, in the, uh, the industry of travel. And I had an experience with a, a partner that we, we grew this and, and we did some things because I was doing speaking. Uh, I had the ability to put him in, in front of, you know, uh, decent sized crowds on, on a somewhat regular basis. And therefore we were able to, to do a lot with this business. And what I found is that no matter how many we popped into the business and, and they had an interest and they wanted to, to do something that, that they think was fun. They, they didn't replicate. And what I found was that I invested a lot of time in individuals who didn't necessarily uh, have the, 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 the wherewithal to replicate and go out there and really make it happen for themselves. And I started to realize you can't always spend a lot of time, no matter how interested somebody is, you have to pick the right people to grow with. And that helped me later in my outsourcing experiences on, on keeping it less is more, keeping it simple. Best ever success habit you practice? It's got to be, um, you know, the, the thing that I talk a little bit about in, in my book, 101 Ways to Outsource Your Life and Business. 
keeping it simple. Less is more outsourcing your life, doing things on purpose. If, if you want to summarize that and just say, you know, being mindful of your time. And that's something that, that I know you, you do, Joe, to do a show like this. You have to be mindful of your time. And, and I'm also very mindful of it and where I spend my energy. And that's got to be number one. Best ever deal you've done. I think I want to take it back to probably one of my earliest short sale deals. It was with a homeowner that um, she was, she was, I felt bad for her because she was in a situation where she didn't know where she was going to go next. She, you know, she wanted to maybe move out of the state. It was a deal in in the state of New Jersey. And uh, she had three mortgages on this tiny little property. And, um, you know, we we were able to get it done. We were able to short the third. Uh, get a big haircut on the second and haircut is slang terminology for, for cutting down a short sale on, on the second. And, uh, you know, the, the bank stayed pretty firm on the first and, uh, they turned this into a situation where I was able to get it sold out to a cash buyer. Uh, I made a nice check in, in the meantime. And, uh, you know, she was able to, to walk away with, uh, a situation where her mind was clear. She enjoyed working with me. She called me back maybe about six months later and, and uh, said, thank you for the extra time I spent with her kind of, uh, you know, walking, having empathy with her situation, which is something that you have to do sometimes when you're working with people that are in foreclosure. So um, it was an all around winner. And it's something that being one of my first early deals, it, it kind of stays with me. And, and it taught me a little bit about uh, the business that I was actually in. Best ever quote. I have one that right now I keep at the bottom of um, my emails and it keeps me mindful of what I talked about before with, with, you know, energy and time. And it's this one here. It's focus is not a little bit of energy all the time. It's a lot of energy, less of the time. I'm pausing because I'm thinking about what that means. I'm a little slow, right? Uh, (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. How how have you applied that in your life and what does that mean to you? Well, I think that it's tough for us to get into focus. And you see it all the time. Even in in just something that popped into my head was, you know, you see it in sports. You see some of the top athletes in the world, right, on the basketball court and they can't make the foul shot. And you think about that for a minute and you're thinking, wow, that guy just – he just did a, uh, a dunk from 10 feet out where his elbow was above the rim, but something that they call a free throw where nobody's blocking his shot, he can't make. Now, in high school, I shot 91.7% from the foul line in basketball, and I, I attributed it to the fact that I was able to get focused for that little bit of time and spend that energy for that little bit of time. And then relax. And I, and I was one of those people that I didn't feel nervous and I didn't feel uh, like I was you know, under stress, even if the game was tight. And it's because I had prepared before. So that's how I relate it. You know, focus is not a little bit of energy all the time. It's a lot. It's a lot of energy less of the time. It's having that intense workout for a short period of time, making sure you're practicing perfect. And all these things I apply to my real estate investing business and we can do the same thing, future entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs and current entrepreneurs. We can do these things just by really being mindful of our energy and time. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? You know, not to, not to repeat what we've talked about, but it, it had to be 
those first few deals where I was back on the chain gang and, and, you know, back on doing things in my business that were just reminiscent of past mistakes I had made in my previous business where I was just working too hard. I was, I was not controlling my ego, uh, not, not allowing the business to kind of happen by itself. I wanted to be so involved in every aspect and therefore all I did was, you know, continue to, to work hard and, and attract hard work. And, um, when you do that, you, you really are going to burn yourself out. And, and a lot of people don't realize it until they're 50, 60 years old and they're still doing the same things they were doing at 22 when they got to that first business. And, and these mistakes happen over and over and over again. And we never actually release control. And therefore, we find ourselves saying, man, I'm, I'm not quite the same. You know, I, I don't have the same wits about me. I don't have the same energy. And here I am at 50, 60 years old or whatever it might be. And I still have the same habits and I'm not able to now uh, recreate at that time. So my advice to you is think about this stuff now, you know, as I did, fortunately, when I, when I was very young and, and then make those adjustments as you go in your, uh, in your real estate business or whatever business you might be in. And what's the best ever place to reach you? Well, uh, I love to be reached um, on one of my two main websites and you can check out www davidoswaldonline.com. No relation to Lee Harvey Oswald, by the way, Joe. Oh, God. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, David Oswald is spelled uh, David, D-A-V-I-D, Oswald, O-S-W-A-L-D, online.com. Or you can hop over to theoutsourceking.com and you'll find more information about uh, my Outsource It All techniques and uh, how you can work closely with me on those. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredibly informative and I, I know for a fact it was helpful, um, to me. So personally, thank you. <laughs> and then yeah. I'm sure that the best ever listeners got a lot out of this as well. So thank you so much for being on the show, giving your best ever advice and we'll talk to you soon. Joe, I appreciate it. And it was the best ever 30 minutes that I spent in my day as well. Boom. Awesome. <laughs> talk to you later. Thanks. Hey, you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to joefairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.